And so we said, you know, how do we bring that level of sort of consumer experience that's delightful to the nonprofit space? In the process, really make it fun and engaging and, and easier to volunteer and do more good. And, and then on the financial side, because of you're more excited, you're more inspired, we can also help these organization get a new batch of donors as well. Welcome to Mindful Businesses, presented by Sarani, and I'm your host, Vidya Iyer. In our podcast, we bring to you brands which are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business adopts and employs sustainable social, economic, and environmental practices. Today, we have with us Gang Wang, founder of Civics Champs, Seamless Volunteering. Welcome, Gang. Super excited to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be a, a part of this great set of interviews that you're doing. According to the AmeriCorps, around 25% of Americans volunteer. That's around 78 million people. And they volunteer about 32 hours per year with an economic impact of $167 million. That's a pretty big industry, you know, if we could actually call it that. I think most people are surprised, both in terms of the volunteering amount, but, you know, also if you think about on, on the donations, if you include that, uh, that's a big part of it too, right? And so we taken all in the nonprofit sector is a $2 trillion industry. I mean, Americans are very gracious and give $460 billion every year, roughly. How do Americans compare with other countries in terms of the volunteer hours and how much they give back financially and in terms of their time, say, uh, as against Canada or Europe? Yeah, I think volunteerism in, in America is fairly unique. You know, you can go all the way back in history with Alexis de Tocqueville and his sort of seminal work around democracy in America. And he talks about how even then um, at the founding, you know, how there was this unique element to American democracy around around giving. And so, yeah, I would say it is it is a relatively unique characteristic that we have. In part, I think, you know, if you talk to folks in Europe, I think oftentimes it is believed that the state actually should be handling more of these, and the U.S. might be volunteering activities, and there really should be jobs. And, and there's some truth to that, right, in terms of the nonprofit sector sort of being a safety net, um, in part because the state is not actually providing those services. True. For instance, even in your schools, they probably need more special ed teachers, and but we have classroom mothers who sometimes spend time doing special activities, exactly. you know, reading with the kids and all that. And they could actually be jobs exactly. for people. Right. That's a very unique part of how we think about volunteerism and nonprofits compared to maybe some of our, our other fellow countries around the world. So have the number of volunteer hours increased because of the pandemic? Yeah. So there's two two comments around that. So one is sort of a, a, a macro level observation, which is it's actually hard to track volunteerism um, today than it used to be. So historically, most volunteerism happened, uh, you know, in the context of a nonprofit agency, right? And you would go to volunteer at a at an agency, and, and that information is much more easily tracked. Whereas a lot of 
what you might still consider to be volunteerism or activism, there's a lot more ad hoc movements these days. That's actually much harder to track. So if you take, for example, the Black Lives Matter movement, if you take the the Women's March, right, all of those things, right, are are both activism, but in, in a lot of ways, it is, you know, you could consider that also volunteerism as well. And so in the pandemic, if you zoom in now, what you've seen a lot of is the rise of neighbors helping neighbors or mutual aid groups where, you know, I'm going to help the senior down the street who needs grocery shopping, and I'm just going to provide that level of support. That is certainly volunteerism and sort of community giving, but it's not as easily tracked, right? And so if you look at the official numbers, it's actually hard to sort of have that reflected. I would say, though, you know, to answer the question more specifically, volunteerism on a whole has actually decreased over during COVID um, because so much of the formal volunteerism programs have stopped operating and, and you know, now has started to pick back up. Uh, but there was a period of a couple of months where I think folks were really trying to get a lay of the land and, and figure out how to do it safely, right? And so as we've learned how to cope with COVID-19, um, some of those programs have really started to pick back up. But there was a couple months where you saw a sort of a drastic decrease. Part of that was offset by this mutual aid or neighbors helping neighbors. Uh, but again, it's it's hard to quantify and compare apples to apples. Mm-hmm. And it is very easy now to do exactly what you do. To s- you set up a Facebook page, invite a few friends and say, hey, mm-hmm. I want to help our community and by giving back. And here's this lady who or a family who doesn't have enough money for grocery and people chip in. And uh, so right. so it's really easy to do that yep. now yeah. with social media. Right. And that and that's almost exactly how a lot of these mutual aid groups got started as they were Facebook groups. And they said, hey, invite everyone you know. If, if you need help, join the group and post here. And if you're willing to help, you can, you can also ask for help. Obviously, very time intensive and hard to manage over the long term. But in the short term, it was uh, incredibly powerful in terms of getting help out to, to people in need of very quickly. And besides powerful, I feel it came from the heart because often people gave because they could get a tax deduction, right? Yep. This, they like, they didn't care. Here's my money. Go buy grocery. Go buy hand sanitizers for the people who need. I felt there was so much more authenticity in these small groups of people, the neighborhood community, which were organized around the pandemic. Absolutely. To your point, right, it really was just people saying, hey, how, how can I be helpful in whatever it's needed? They sort of rose to the occasion. And yeah, truly inspiring. I would agree. So volunteering helps the person who is being helped, but it also helps the person who volunteers. Mm-hmm. There are studies which show that volunteering helps you mentally and even physically by giving back, by reducing your stress, your anger, your anxiety. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So a little sort of other little known facts, right? Again, if we look at uh, especially um, older adults, there's a lot of studies that show that if you know, it helps you through sort of retaining your, your cognitive abilities, um, it helps, you know, with your social, right, uh, your your happiness because you're, you're sort of staying socially connected with others. And, and it does, it reduces stress, it makes you less likely to have uh, certain diseases because of that. So it's, yeah, it, I think it has lots of personal benefits. I think for me, though, you know, one of the other 
things that I think a lot about is the power of volunteerism to really build empathy within communities and and to bring communities together. Right? It's there are very few activities where today where you get to rub shoulders, so to speak, with people that are very different from you, right? That are different economically, different maybe ethnically, right? And so I think there's a lot of power there where you build empathy with other folks that are different from you in your community, but also it brings the community together because fundamentally volunteering is an act of love, right? And, and giving. So I think that's also very exciting. And also amongst the volunteers, I always joke and say, if you want to figure out whether you can get along really well with somebody, volunteer with them. Because mm. the only thing that you have is your ego, right? Yep. And in any other job that you do, you have other motivations here. It's your ego, which can come in the way. It's your ego about how this thing needs to be done. What you're getting back is personal fulfillment. Yep. Whereas in any other activity that you do, what you get back is monetary, is a raise, a job, you know, whatever else that you want. But it's so much more mental than we imagine it to be, we believe it to be. Right. And well, and again, certainly it feels good. And it's interesting you bring up that I was just talking to someone today about volunteering activities being a, a good first date <laughs> for, for for folks, right? Or, or a date uh, for folks to, uh, that are, you know, looking to uh, to see if they're compatible. And, you know, there's actually been a startup that, that's been working on that. But there's, you know, lots of folks who actually have met their partner through sort of volunteering activities. And, and oftentimes, it is a, an interesting filter, right? You, you certainly share passions for something, right? And it's a sort of a joint activity that you enjoy together. Overall, I think the youth today are so much more, if I can use the word, woke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too <laughs> probably too old to use that word, but uh, but yes, you know, it makes me feel so happy. They are so socially conscious. They want to give back. And even in the present circumstances where so many of the college graduates don't have jobs mm. and the pressure they're going through, um, I feel a lot of this is a byproduct of very different aspect of our American life. Yeah. When college when colleges decided that they wanted well-rounded students and they wanted students who had actually volunteered, who had actually done something for the community. Yeah. As a byproduct, they created this generation of 40 and under who are pretty involved in mm. Yeah. So I think yeah, you're right. I mean, millennials were certainly the first generation where volunteering essentially was required through high school or college. And and then to your point, as as colleges started to consider sort of you know whether a student was more well rounded and and looked at these factors, it sort of spurred even more of that activity, right? So I yeah I think you're right in terms of the exposure levels are are much earlier, right? And and so then it just becomes a little bit more ingrained in what you do. So now about you, what is your company? What does your startup too. Yeah. So I'm the CEO and co-founder of Civic Champs. And so we launched in May 2019. And basically, we work with nonprofit organizations across the country, 60 plus today. And uh, we help them delight their volunteers 
and convert those volunteers to donors, right? And so we saw a need in the market where basically there's a lot of points of friction in the volunteering process. And fundamentally, what that means is that uh, you actually get less volunteers and happy volunteers, if you will. And so we we looked at the for-profit space for inspiration. And if you think about a Starbucks or a CVS, it would be very hard to envision them using, let's say, a paper sign-in sheet to manage their loyalty programs. But that's fundamentally what you have at these nonprofit organizations. And so we said, you know, how do we bring that level of sort of consumer experience that's delightful to the nonprofit space? In the process, really make it fun and engaging and, and easier to volunteer and do more good. And, and then on the financial side, because of you're more excited, you're more inspired, we can also help these organizations get a new batch of donors as well and sort of converting the volunteers from just volunteering to being true champions across both volunteering and sort of uh, financial giving. And you have it in a form of an app. So what are the pains that you're trying to get rid of besides just bringing delight? Sure. We are uh, mobile first, but we do have, you know, web and interfaces and, you know, uh, portals, etc. I would say it from a nonprofit's perspective, which is really where we focus, there's some really basic pain points that we get rid of. And so if you imagine the life cycle of a volunteer from scheduling and finding an opportunity, it's not often very clear you know, where you should volunteer. And, and once you find someone, you might call them. Usually you find a directory of some sort and you call them and then you play phone tag right, with, with the volunteer coordinator. Maybe you play email tag right, and you say, oh, well, you have to come in for a training. Well, you know, what does your Tuesday schedule look like? And they're like, oh, no, it's, I, don't, I can't do that. And so we, you know, from a calendaring and scheduling, we solve a bunch of that sort of pain point there. And then when you show up on site are often met with a paper sign-in sheet that you put in your name, what time you came, uh, maybe you sign some paper waivers, right? Things like that. I think most volunteers, what we don't think about is now there's somebody, a staff member uh, from the nonprofit that needs to either digitize that information, right? And reading your chicken scratch and typing it into a spreadsheet, or it stays in the paper form, but you lose a lot of power or benefit of having a uh, customer relationship database, right? Where you actually can track and, and know, you know, how much volunteering someone has done over a period of time, et cetera. And so uh, that's the other piece we saw. So on, with Civic Champs, when you show up at a volunteer site, we put a geofence around it. And so it'll automatically ask you, say, hey, are you here to volunteer today at, let's say, Habitat Build 252, right? And you say, yep, I am. And that's it, right? It's, it's very seamless, easy. With COVID-19, it makes it a little safer too. You're using your own device. You're not sharing a pen or anything like that. And then we also get to collect some more data, right? So when you check out for the day, instead of just signing your name, we ask like, hey, how was your experience? How would you rate it? And that's actually the moment if, let's say, you had a great experience, we might ask, hey, would you care to further your support and, you know, match a dollar for each hour that you volunteer. So it would be like an app, seamless, all your data is collected, everything is digitized. Yeah. How much does this cost? The bottom line for most nonprofits is the 
overhead costs. What is the savings in going to you? Sure, it's free for the volunteer, right? You just download the app and use it. The nonprofits do pay a fee. We have a a fairly wide range depending on the size and ability to pay. So anywhere between you know twenty five to three hundred dollars a month, depending on you know the number of volunteers you're managing, etc. So we try to make it as affordable as possible. And one of the things we're looking at for the new year is offering also a freemium edition as well. And so you know even for the smallest nonprofits, they can get started with us for free and use a lot of these.、Uh, Time-saving tools, if you will. You're located in Bloomington, Indiana. So, are you nationwide, or where can people find you? Sure, we、uh, we are nationwide. So, we serve clients across 11 states, and you know, sort of constantly growing on that. We have offices, as you noted, in Bloomington, Indiana, and also in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's our two office locations. And then we have some、uh, sort of remote staff as well in other places. But、uh, those are our two home cities. How did you think of this idea? You were working for a consulting firm. You have had a couple of startups which you've exited successfully. How did you think about this? You seem like a person who should be moving up the corporate ladder, doing more mercenary things, not creating a space for、uh, a mindful business which will help nonprofits. Yeah. No, I think you know. For me, I, I do remember right in my other two startups. You know, one of the thoughts I had is for my my next one, so to speak, I wanted to do something that had a bit more of a social impact. And I think、uh, entrepreneurship can be pretty difficult at times, right? But having a a vision and a mission that you can really believe in is is actually quite helpful, right? Keep you motivated. And so that was, you know, sort of the long term part of this. In terms of why this specific idea and not, not another、uh, mindful business, if you will, I was working on the corporate social responsibility program for a startup company called Ardeo Education, and you know we were putting together a day of service. And I remember, you know, that process being a bit more difficult or, or harder than you would imagine, right? So you reach out. Sometimes people get back to you. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they have the right number of slots available for for you know your 50 or so employees. Sometimes they don't. It made me reflect on my personal volunteering too. And so originally, actually, we wanted to create the、uh, the Pokemon Go for volunteering、mm-hmm. to make volunteering more casual and easy, right? So you can, for example, go out and take pictures of streetlights and. Fire hydrants, and you know, to create a digitized map for your city, because most cities oftentimes don't have a a digital map of its infrastructure. And the idea would be if you overlaid that with a heat map of crime rates, for sure you would find something interesting. And so we started with that, talked to a number of nonprofit organizations,、uh, executive directors, etc., volunteer coordinators. Uh, to say, hey, you know, we have this idea. What do you think? And we we quickly learned, you know, while I think people thought it was a really novel idea, they just had much more fundamental pain points that we could actually help solve. And so、uh, I remember one of the conversations we had was with、um, an executive director. Her name was Sandy, and she said, you know, every year I spend a hundred hours just tracking, noting, reporting on volunteer hours.、And、we thought, wow. You know that that's a lot of time for for an executive director, right? You could be writing grants, do all sorts of things in that time, and so we asked her, you know, what is that process? How do you do it? And and we saw the you know stacks of binders and clipboards, and and we got to thinking, you know, could we take some of the components of of the game 
that we were thinking about and apply it in this context. And that's where sort of the geofencing components came in. We said, hey, you know, instead of geofencing a, a site so that someone can collect a power up or, you know, something like that. What if it's a check-in site for the, you know, the nonprofit and you just come in, you're like, oh, I'm here, I'm here to serve today. And, and you know, that's sort of where we got started. And also often when you're managing volunteers, people with all good intentions sign up, but don't show up. This, mm-hmm. in, this could probably remind them and also nudge them. So it may even uh, reduce volunteer um, truancy, if I may say so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we do that for sure. You know, when you sign up for an event, you get a calendar invite. So it's blocked off on your calendar. You get reminders, right? Instructions. People can send additional emails uh, with they need to. So, so yeah, so we definitely do that part of it as well. Uh, and then, you know, going forward, what we'd love to do also is not, you know, you as a nonprofit, not only understand uh, who signed up but and who showed up, um, but we can give you a sense of, you know, automatically estimating, right, what kind of um, drop off you might expect, right, even uh, with, with, with the best of intentions. Oftentimes, you know, life happens. And um, for a big event, maybe, you know, on average, if you have 100 signups, only, you know, 95 people show up, and you really need 100, uh, then, you know, we might suggest to you that uh, you should actually sort of overbook by five, right. Um, and so those are some of the things that we think about to add additional value and, and make our platform even better. So does the data stay with you or with the nonprofit? So the data is owned by the nonprofit. Um, so it's their data. You know, when they are customers of ours, you know, we obviously have tools that help them analyze and look at the data in different ways. And then the only other other party uh, would be the volunteers. And so they get a copy of all of their activities as well. But really, those are, you know, but the data sort of is owned by each of them, right? And we don't, you know, we don't have ads, we don't sell it to anyone, in part because we have no one to sell it to, <laughs> right? Because we have no ads. But yeah, I mean, we believe fundamentally, right, that's, you know, that's not a great user experience either for, it's not delightful, right? Ads are not delightful. <laughs> and so we, we avoid it. So the reason I was asking is often the need for volunteers changes. So if you had a database of volunteers, so I don't know which organization needs me or based on my mm-hmm. talents or skills or availability. And what if you have a database of volunteers and when an organization needs volunteers, they reach out to you and uh, they say, hey, yeah, Vidya is great at so-and-so. She has these availabilities, which match mm-hmm. yours. She's free in the evenings. And do you do that yeah, or no, do you plan to do that? Yep, absolutely. So you think about actually COVID-19, one of the big needs that has arisen up is really folks that have that were getting services perhaps at a food pantry maybe they were going to a clinic or some sort of center um, but now because of covid they can't either the center shut down or it's not really safe for them to sort of congregate in a single location and so there's been this big need for people to provide more direct service right kind of similar to sort of the neighbors helping neighbors model right but you know you can think about grocery delivery you know maybe lawn care snow removal now that winter's here, or even, you know, very simple things like, hey, I just need someone to help me move uh, XYZ thing, right, at my house. And being older, right, maybe, you know, I'm unable to do it on my own because I live 
by myself. And so we have a new feature set we're rolling out um, in the next month uh, that's called Helping Hands. And so to your point, right, when you know a senior or somebody else requests help, uh, we do actually ping uh, the volunteers that have said, hey, I'm available at XYZ date for these types of activities, um, they'll get a, a notification that says like, hey, are you interested in helping you know, someone with grocery delivery as an example? And so, yeah, that's definitely something that uh, we will be releasing soon. And then layering on top of that, I think it, it would not be a huge stretch then to start uh, thinking about beyond sort of these direct tasks. How do you think about larger volunteering opportunities, right? Whether it's a half day or a full day at a agency. And so we'll, we will layer that in as well. So you would do the background checks in that case for the volunteers before they go and offer their services. Because in the first instance, you're just managing the volunteers who come into the organization. Yep, great question. And there's a, a couple different models in terms of uh, background checks and sort of ensuring volunteers are qualified. Part of it is we, again, take an agency-first approach. So all of our products typically are partnered with an agency of some sort in terms of recruiting or managing the volunteers. And so it's, it's really their volunteers in a lot of ways. Um, and so typically they will run the background check. Uh, we facilitate, right, and, and help with that. But it's not like there's a pool of sort of civic champ volunteers necessarily, right, that we are, you know, owning, so to speak, right? So we, I think that's a little bit of a a difference in our approach versus others in the market, right, is we really focus in on how do we help the nonprofit agency in terms of managing, recruiting, and deploying their volunteers. And, and certainly part of that is how do we help them recruit more volunteers? But, but at the end of the day, it is their volunteers. What are your next steps besides this one thing, the new launch that you were talking about? Whew. We have uh, we have a lot. Uh, so I, you know, so we have a partnership that we're launching with a, um, a donor management platform that we're really excited about. We have, uh, like I said, helping hands. We have a partnership with a Mentor that you know just got going this month as well, uh, where we're working with affiliates across ten states. Um, so that's really exciting too. And so basically, we're they they chose us as the platform of choice to you know track and report on mentorship uh, engagement. And so you know, what did you talk about? Did you actually meet with your mentee? Right, that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, so that's that's all great. And then, like I said, you know, for uh, Q1 of next year, I think one of our big pushes will be, you know, how do we create this opportunity to even better serve the smallest of the nonprofits by providing a a free product for them that they can they can use, you know, even as a brand new nonprofit that has just a handful of volunteers. That's pretty incredible, especially in these times. Your product is very timely to bring people and even the small nonprofits to be more efficient and be able to use the volunteer time effectively. Yeah, I think, yeah, you know, I, I, we talked about earlier, uh, you know, I think the team and I believe that volunteerism is fundamentally a great thing to promote. 
And um, the more of that we can get, the better our communities are in, you know, building empathy, helping the individuals, certainly helping the the person that's getting some support. And so, yeah, I, you know, we're, we're, we're very excited about the mission and, and our ability to sort of partner with different nonprofit agencies to make that happen. Thank you so much, Gang Wang, for coming on Mindful Businesses. It was a pleasure, Pita. Love being on here. And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to uh, listening to your future episodes as well. Thank you so much. If you're a creator of a mindful brand or would like to recommend a mindful brand to be featured on our show, send us a message on our Facebook or Instagram page. If you learned a thing or two from this episode, share it with a friend. Like and subscribe to our podcast on our Instagram page. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite app. We recorded this podcast in Lafayette, Indiana. Tatum Gale composed the music for the podcast. This is Vidya Ayer with Mindful Businesses. 